Hello and welcome to Another Look, a podcast about anything and everything that we feel deserves another look. Love it, hate it, or somewhere in between, today we are going to talk about Stranger Things Season 3. And I'm your host, Jeremy McKinley. It's summertime in Hawkins, Indiana. The sun is shining and the birds are singing and young love is in the air. With a little Cronenbergian body horror thrown in the mix. The third season of Stranger Things is bigger in pretty much every way. Now, bigger doesn't always mean better. In fact, most times, that's where Hollywood messes up with their sequels. Do the same thing as last time, but make it flashier. Luckily, this is not the case for season three. Is it good? Yes. Does it have problems? Yes. So let's talk about it. First of all, technically, the show just keeps getting better and better. The scope in terms of camera shots are far more grand, and the CGI budget is bigger, and it shows. And the painstaking attention to detail on the 80s aesthetic is, is always very much appreciated. Now, I didn't grow up in the 80s. I was barely born in it. But I grew up on all the same toys, shows, and movies that came out around that time. And the influences are not subtle in the slightest in this season. Nods to things like The Blob, The Thing, Terminator, and The Lost Boys make themselves very apparent. Sometimes they're nice, other times they can be a bit overbearing. But the love is there, and that's what makes it generally feel pretty genuine. The music in the show was an absolute standout for me. Uh, composers Michael Steen and Kyle Dixon bring all the chills and fills with their heavily 80s synthesized score. I'm a big fan of synthesized music stuff that you probably hear in like Blade Runner or most recently an artist I love named Carpenter Brute or Perturbator. Uh, check those two out if you can. They have some great modern 80s music or 80s style music that uh, really will uh, get your gears going if you like that kind of music. The effects on the monsters are excellent, great gore, and inspired designs. John Carpenter would be proud. At least I think he would. I'm honestly shocked this show is rated TV-14 given the level of body horror they put into the show. Uh, the, the things that they just flat out show on this thing made me go, wow, huh? Okay, well, I guess we can let our kids uh, see this now. I mean, it's it's. I mean, my niece you know, was watching this with me, and she was perfectly fine with it. So, I guess uh, the kids these days have acclimated, and uh, they're stronger now. So, good for them. The returning characters are generally pretty good. Mike and Eleven's relationship is very well developed, as well as Jim Hopper and Miss Byers. However, the latter comes across at times like a very silly romantic comedy, and just feels out of place. They do some interesting stuff with uh, Max's brother, Billy, a character I found to be quite lackluster in last season, but he's given a lot more to do here. And I actually really love the, the actor that plays him. He played uh, Jason in the recent Power Rangers reboot that came out a few years ago, a film which I think was criminally underseen and uh, a, a very good movie, not just being a, uh, a biased fan of uh, Power Rangers, but that his performance in that movie is great, and they've finally given him something good to do here in this season. So good for him. Any scene with Dustin and Steve is just pure gold, and their chemistry still absolutely shines. And they bring in a new character uh, by the name of Robin, played wonderfully by Maya Hawk, who works with Steve at the new mall. Her rapport with Steve is great, as well as the rest of the cast. Honestly, she fits the show like a glove, and if she had been in season one or two, you wouldn't have noticed that she was new, because she just fits it so well. It, it took me all of maybe half an episode to get used to her before I was like, eh, she's part of the crew now. Let's just move this along. This is great. No spoilers, but I shed a few tears when it all got to the end. Big moves were made, and I mean big moves were made, and 
as far as right now is concerned, they didn't cop out on their choices, which for me is a massive plus. Now, there are a couple negatives, and I got to bring them up because uh, there are some glaring problems and an otherwise completely satisfying show. And uh, yeah, you know, when you have white and black, you know, the contract, you just notice it uh, a lot more than Shades of Grey. And these were definitely uh, problems that were in stark contrast to the quality of the show. Uh, there's a point where Nancy gets a job as an intern at a local newspaper, and the male co-workers are just flat-out misogynist cartoon characters. I mean, you would think these characters were from Captain Marvel. They're so, like, mansplainingly mean. They make fun of Nancy every chance they get, which is pretty much every scene they're in. It was actually so bad that my niece, who I binged the show, or binged most of the show with, asked me if these men had actual jobs to do. <laughs> Because they completely ignored them just to make fun of her. <laughs> it was uh, it was it was just overbearing, and it's like I I I get it. It's a man's world still. Still, and the show is so good with its female characters that it doesn't need this kind of thing. It, like it doesn't need the the quote unquote hierarchy to be this propagandically bad and and, and overbearing. Like. You know, uh, the girls in the show are great. The men on the show are great. They don't have to make either one of them feel weak to make the other one be strong. They are uh, completely balanced in terms of characters just being great and all genders. And uh, it was just completely unnecessary. Uh, the other problem is with Winona Ryder's character. Great actress and a great character in the first two seasons. The problem is that they didn't have a clue what to do with her for the majority of this season. There's a plot with her and Magnets that goes on for far too long, and it does lead to a plot point that takes the show further, but it just it goes on and on, and it could have been cut out, or it could have had someone else figure it out, or they could have had her just not obsess over it like she did in seasons one and two. She's just the character that they always have obsess over things, and it just felt a bit redundant after seasons one and two of her kind of being that uh, that kind of obsessive uh, protective mom. Now, she doesn't now, she's not super overprotective like she... Oh, yeah, I guess she kind of is. I'm going to kind of retract that. It just felt a bit redundant to have her obsess over just one tiny thing again. So, yeah. Outside of these problems, I thoroughly enjoyed this season. And I'm going to give it an 8.75 out of 10. Thank you for joining me for another look. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on podbean.com at another look podcast slash podbean. You can find us on Twitter. That is with three O's. I'm Jeremy McKinley, and thank you for joining me.